Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Welcome. It's good to see all of you. Hope you're doing well. Um, if you're joining us online at podcast, Vimeo, Morse code, I don't know, smoke signals, thank you for being here as well. And at this time, I would just like to welcome everyone. Let's get out our Bibles or let's open up a Bible app and let's go to the book of Hebrews. Um, that's, toward, that's in the New Testament, towards the end of the New Testament, and we are studying the book of Hebrews And if you've been with us for a while, you know this, but I just want to say it just reminder. Hebrews is a difficult book, difficult the subject matter. It's difficult in the terminology. It's difficult just um, understanding some of it. But I just want to say this right now, church, we are called to difficult things. God would not have placed this in the Bible if he did not think it was something that was infinitely useful to you and I. And so we're just digging through it. We're just digging through it. Um, Real quick, just a few things about Hebrews so far. We do not know who wrote the book of Hebrews. People debate. There's books you can read. But I'm telling you right now, the Bible doesn't say who wrote the book of Hebrews. We do, however, know who the book of Hebrews was written to. The book of Hebrews was written to a Jewish community. That's where you get the word Hebrew from. Hebrews. And, and um, they had been evangelized. So evidently, a missionary, a man or a woman, went into that community shared the gospel, they heard the gospel, they repented and believed, and God saved them. And so what they do is they kind of start this little house church or a little church, they come out of Judaism, and immediately something happens to them, they begin to experience persecution. There was persecution from the government, the Roman government, you got Nero, he's, he's persecuting all the Christians, But then these guys were getting a second type of persecution. They're being persecuted by the Jewish community, the community that they had came out of. And so they're getting all of this persecution. Persecution was real. Persecution was hard. The persecution was unrelenting. Now, I've said this before, and I believe this. I believe that when things start getting difficult for a believer or a Christian or for anyone, you know, the easiest thing to do would be to go back to where you began. Go back to the situation that wasn't so difficult to live on in, right? And that'd be the easiest thing to do. Maybe you're going to start minimizing Jesus. Maybe you want to start thinking, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I need to reconsider what's gone on. And that's what some of these individuals were doing. Once again, I don't think it's unlike maybe what some of us go through. You come to faith, God saves you, and you start living on fire for the Lord, but then the time comes, and it gets difficult, and you start thinking, 
I don't know, man, it's more difficult than I had anticipated. And maybe you too start to minimize the Lord Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews, he writes this book. And he sends it to him. And in this book, he says over and over and over again, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Once again, we can, Jesus, well, you know that, Jesus is better. But specifically, what we're going to see today, as he's continuing encouraging us, is this. Just because you start out well, it does not mean necessarily or that you're guaranteed to end well. Church, we need to know that corporately and individually because it is possible to begin well and end poorly. And so the author of Hebrews is going to address this today. Chapter 2, he said, Jesus is better than angels. Chapter 3, continuing in the same thought process, he's going to say, Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than Moses. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, man, that is not new news. We all know, that's basic, we all know that Jesus is better than Moses. But here's what I want to tell you. We are not from a Jewish background. This is not maybe new news to you and I, but I'm telling you right now, in this little congregation, they're being persecuted. They want to minimize Jesus, but they still held Moses really high. He was like an all-time great, maybe just below God and just above angels. And so the writer of Hebrews going to address this. You're thinking about minimizing Jesus. Oh, man. Travis, Travis, life is so hard. It's so hard. People coming at me as a Christian, so I'm just going to minimize Jesus. I cannot handle the persecution. Somebody, somebody made fun of me on the old social media, so I'm not going to go to church for a month. Jesus is better, man. Jesus is better. Let's get into this, all right? We're going to see it. He's going to begin. Chapter 3, verse 1. First thing he's going to say, you tempted to go away. You tempted to, to do all this stuff. You tempted to minimize Jesus. First thing we must do is this. We must consider Jesus. That's what he says. Verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read it. Therefore, holy brothers, holy brothers and sisters, I talked about this last week, you who share in a heavenly calling, here we go, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. All right, let's talk about this. This sets up what he's going to be looking at, okay? Church, we're given here a command. We are given a command right here. We are told to consider Jesus. Really, consider Jesus, church. Think on him, observe him, pay attention to him, who he is, what he did. That's the command. Guys, consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. I've already alluded to this once again. Things getting hard, things getting difficult, people saying things, doing things, getting your feelings hurt. You're sitting there, I don't know. I don't know if I want to invest my time in the church. I don't know if I want to invest my time in reading the Bible. This is starting to get a little too personal to me. Whatever, I say this, this command, before you do anything rash, before you go off and make some decision that you will later regret, pause a minute. Consider Jesus. Consider that which you are trying to minimize and place it next to the thing you're trying to maximize and you're going to come away. You're going to come away saying Jesus is better. So we got the command, right? We got the command. Let's come in. 
Consider Jesus. And we're told it's given to the brothers and sisters, those born again, church, we're to consider Jesus. So the question might be now, all right, why ought I, why should I consider Jesus? Well, we'll get to verse two. Check it out. This is why. Who, that's Jesus, was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses, okay, we got Moses here, also was faithful in all God's house. Okay, so we're going to build this argument, all right? So he's, he's, he's doing this to this little tight church, this, 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 this Hebrew church. He's saying, okay, okay, we're going to do a comparison here. Comparison. We're going, we're going to compare Jesus to Moses, all right? Once again, you could do that with anything. Anything that you might be exalting greater than Jesus, you too could just do a little compare and contrast. Right now, we're going to compare and contrast Moses. So we're told here, we're told here that there's some similarities between Jesus and Moses. We're told that Moses was faithful. We told Jesus is faithful. Okay, we got a little compare and contrast. Okay, we got it. They're, 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 both, they're both faithful, all right? Like, like, like Moses was faithful, Jesus was faithful. I got that. But that is where the similarities are going to end because we're going to see that Jesus is more than a man. Check it out, verse three. Here we go. For Jesus has been counted worthy of, here we go, more glory, more glory than Moses. That would have got their attention. Now, I understand it may not get your attention, but it would have got their attention. This is a big deal for them to hear, okay? More glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. All right, we've got to compare and contrast, all right? And he's sitting here making an argument. Here's his, here's his argument. Here's the argument, all right? Moses was faithful. However, Moses was just a piece of the house, but Jesus is the maker of that house. Total, complete difference, right? The point here is Jesus is superior to Moses because Jesus is the builder and Moses is just part of the house, part of the household. These are, these are just simply two different categories, right? It's beyond comparison, right? They are infinitely different. Jesus is infinitely superior to Moses, but he's not going to stop there. He's going to keep building the case, all right? And I would say this real quick. Let me just talk about this real quick. Whatever you might be maximizing over Jesus, if you go to compare it to Jesus, you will soon find out that Jesus is infinitely superior to anything that you might be thinking about rising above Jesus. But we're looking at Moses here, verse 5. Now, Moses was faithful. He's not talking bad about Moses here. Moses is faithful in all God's house. But look what he says. As a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. All right? He's like, hey, wait, wait, wait. Let's let's understand Moses. Now, Moses is is a godly man, a faithful man, but you've got to understand who he is and what his purpose was. First, we're told he was a servant in the house He's fulfilling what God had given him to do. But then we see that Moses was not the end of the line. He's not the end of the line. Just like the Old Testament is not the end of the line. Just like the law is not the end of the line. All these things were created by God, used by God as a picture of, a shadow of, a pointer to something greater. 
And the greater thing that it was a picture of a shadow of was Jesus. And now that Jesus is here, you can see he is the culmination of what God has always been doing. And I'll tell you right now, that's what, when you get to Judaism, that's what, that's what they miss. They miss. They miss. The, the Judaism, Judaism is incomplete without the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. They got the shadow without the substance. Moses was a servant, and he pointed to something bigger, greater, infinitely more glorious, and that's Jesus. Keep going. This is the compare and contrast. Let's get to verse 6. But Christ... You got Jesus, you got got Moses, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a what? A son. A son. And we, this is my favorite part of this verse, I'm going to talk about it in a minute. And we, as us, are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Now, like I said, there's a lot going on there. Moses, a servant, Jesus, the son. But I don't know, man. Don't you like it? You know, we all do. We, we, I like it. I like it when people say stuff about me, especially if it's nice. You know what I'm saying? We, he was just now talking about us, church. He's talking about us. And we, we, church, are his house. Yeah, so not this building. Not this building. We, the assembled believers. Guys, we are his house. We are the people of God. So as great as Moses was, he was only a servant in the house, but Jesus is the son. All right, that's how we begin. We're going to begin that way. We thought on Jesus. I like it. You don't think on Jesus. Think on Jesus, compare, contrast. Jesus is greater, but he's going to continue in verse 7. Now he's going to follow up with a warning. I want you to see this. We're going to get this warning. We can become calloused. Now, this is just flowing in his argument. He goes from consider Jesus. Jesus is greater than Moses. Now I want you to understand we can become calloused. All right, let's follow his thinking. We know this to be true, right? We know. I'm going to say, I'm about to say some things. And as I say these things, I don't think it's going to be a revolutionary thing to say to any of you here. You're all going to know this because you're going to be aware of it. You probably struggled with this. But here's the deal. If you have heard the truth, If God has spoken to you, if God has convicted you, if God has made you aware of anything and then you fail to acknowledge it, you ignore it, you repress it, your heart can become calloused. It can. It can. It absolutely can. And that's a bad place to be. It's a really bad place to be. So he gives us this warning. Verse 7. Therefore... As the Holy Spirit says, so therefore, because what I just told you, and therefore, because the Holy Spirit also says this, he's going to quote Psalms 95. Here we go. Therefore, today, today, church, this is to us, if you hear his voice, that's the voice of God, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, he's going to give us an example. On the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me, that's God, to the test and and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Wow, there's a warning. There's a warning there to them, to us. There's a warning there. If you hear the voice of God, 
If God reveals something to you, and by the way, let me say this real quick. You got the word if. Let me, let me understand this. God is under no compulsion to reveal anything to you. He is under no compulsion to reveal anything to me. That you and I know anything about God is just another example of his grace. That's grace upon grace. You didn't figure anything out. Anything you know, it's from God. If he talks to you, if he reveals, if he shares, if you are enlightened in any way, if you hear anything from God at any time, do not harden your hearts. That's what he says. If you know what God says and God is convicting you and challenging you, don't turn away from it because you are in danger of your heart becoming hard. Once again, I don't think any of you are unfamiliar with this. I'm not. I mean, I, it's like, this is an example I thought of just in life. This is life, man. This is in life. Man. This is in life. Um, many of you know this. It's kind of like this. So I think this, this is what I thought of. You know, some of you know this about me. Some of you may not. About eight years ago, about eight years ago, um, I, I was riding my longboard. All right? I'm on my longboard. Some of you know where this is going, man. I'm on my longboard and I'm going down a hill, and I am going at a rate, a velocity greater than my ability to contain that velocity. And you're going, you're going to go, you're going to say, well, Travis, why would you do that? Because I overestimated my ability, all right? It's easy to overestimate your ability. So I'm going down there, and there's a turn, and I'm unable to make that turn, right? I don't make the turn. So my board goes that way, I go off. And because I'm going at a high rate of speed, I keep, you know, I keep going down the road. So it's the way gravity works, man. And so I get all this stuff. I break my collarbone, this bone right here. And I got a lot of road, road, road rash and all of that, man. What's the result of all that? Well, the result was three surgeries and a lot of scars. I got a lot of some scars, some new, new scars. Now, here's the thing about the scars. My scars and my tissue and all this, where the, all the surgeries and stuff happened, the scars are less sensitive than the tissue that was not scarred, right? They have become desensitized, right? But that which was not scarred, which not seared, is more sensitive. In other words, the scar tissue is not as sensitive as the unscarred tissue. It's seared, whatever. And then you can take that and apply that, I think, to this text in a way, because so many times that is exactly what happens to people spiritually. You know, you hear it. Maybe you're sitting in the pew, sitting in the chair, and God's just pressing on you, man. He's pressing on you, man. I want you to repent of that. I want you to, I want you to go down there and pray at that altar. Go pray at that altar. I don't want to go pray at that altar. I'm not going to pray at that altar. Go pray. Go, go pray at the altar. No, no, I'm not. Then you don't. Come back next week. Maybe God says the same thing. You need to go, you need to go pray. You're like, no. But he's not, you don't feel it quite as deep the next time, do you? You do that five, six weeks, and pretty soon you'll be showing up here, and you know, you get, hey, why'd God quit talking to me? God did not quit talking to you. Didn't. But you heard. You didn't obey. Heart got hard. Heart got hard. It's easy to happen. But he says here, this is what I understand. If God says something to you, either reveals some character traits or a conviction, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, you got two options, my friend. You got two options. First option is this you can listen, say, thank you, Jesus, and obey. That's option one. Or two, 
And by the way, I've done both these options. I've done them both, don't worry. Two, you can hear and you can ignore. You can do that. You can do that. But there's danger. The danger is your heart can become hard. Now, he continues. I'll do this real quick. He, he gives us some examples. This is the text we just read. Verse 8, he gives an example from Exodus 17. In their rebellion, the day of testing in the wilderness. He says, hey, guys, you remember? You remember? He's like, hey, you guys remember? You remember? You remember when Israel was delivered from Egypt, from the Pharaoh? You remember that? God delivered them. They get to the base of Mount Sinai. They don't get no water, meaning things get a little difficult, and they start complaining. They start grumbling. Hey, hey, Moses. It was better in Egypt when they'd be beating us and stuff. I ain't got no water here. Is God going to take? They start doubting. They get a hard heart. Difficulties come. And what's the result? Verse 10 said, therefore I was provoked. So God was angry. He's angry. He's, he delivered his people. He blessed his people. His people were inconvenienced for a moment. They get, God, do you love me? Are you there? Ah, they complain. They grumble. God gives them the water. God takes care of them and forgives them. But the result was they missed, did not enter the promised land. Let me say it again. What I've already said, it is possible to begin well, but to end poorly. It was possible for them to begin strong and end poorly, and I know very well today is no different. It's no different for you and I here today, or if you're watching, it's no different. I was thinking about this. I'll just share it with you. For example, I know some Christians. If you ask them, can you tell me about your faith? Can you tell me what God is doing in your life? And they will point back to the point of their salvation. They'll, they'll point back to the past. And they'll say, man, God saved me. It was like 10 years ago, five years ago. God saved me, man. And, and it was awesome. And I was in church and I'm reading my Bible and I'm using my gifts and I was on fire. And they got all these stories, but all the stories they have about God are stories that were about the past. You ask them, you know, well, that's good, man. I'm glad. Those are good stories. I'm glad about those stories. But do you have any stories today? What is God doing today? You started strong. But where are you at today? I've given this example. It's like that. there's a guy in my gym, man, a guy in my gym. And he'll come up to you and he'll tell me how much he used to bench press in high school. And I'm like, brother, that's cool. But how much can you bench press today? Because that's what matters. You can begin strong and you can end poorly. We're going to continue because we're going to see, verse 12, that we may face consequences. All right? You're going to pay attention here, guys. I want you to notice the tenses in these verbs. I'm going to walk us through it. Verse 12. Take care, brothers. That's us, church. That's one another. And notice it's plural. No, seriously. In your text, brothers, it's plural. That's all of us. Take care, brothers, lest there be in 
any of you, that's singular. So it goes from plural to singular, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Okay, so, so, so don't check it out. You got the command. It's a plural command to us. Church, take care so that singularly one individual does not drift away. You got to follow that. That's to us. I can personalize it. Silverdale Church, take care corporately so that none one of us individually falls away. That's the warning. And we're going this whole conversation, Jesus is better than Moses. Don't harden your heart. Corporately take care so that one of us will not individually fall away, drift away. Now. No, you got to, no, 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 no. You got that, that's the command. This will not be lost on you. It has become a common held belief in the Western church that the we got no responsibility for the one. That's not Bible, guys. That's not Bible. Take care, brothers, lest there be one of you. Take care, church. Take care, church. So we, we got this, we got this, we got this understanding that we got this understanding that maybe, I don't know, we don't understand the we a part of this. We departed the we, 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 we church. You do have some responsibility to the individual in the church. We're a body, we're one. And I know, I know, I know that many of us do not have that understanding. How do I know that? How do I, there's several ways. I want to tell you, this is one of the main ways I know this. This is one way I know this. When you miss church, what about this service right here? You're going to miss this service. You do not primarily, many do not primarily consider how it's going to affect the rest of us here. You don't. The primary concern, and we just know this, I'm not going to go to church this weekend, this day, whatever, because of whatever reason. And maybe it's a legitimate reason, I don't know. But we do not stop and think that the we have a responsibility to others. I'd say that if you're watching, if you're watching, if you're listening right now, I don't know why you're home. Maybe you're home. Maybe you're home because you can't be here physically, and I get that. But I want everyone to know, if you're not here and you can be here, we suffer. Because you got gifts and abilities that God has given you to work out in this congregation. You're not here, we're going to suffer. You know, a toe stayed home today. Well, that we're limping around. Someone go get that toe because we got someone back on. I don't know. Guys, listen, that's the command. Take care lest there be. Take care corporately, church, so that the one will not fall away. There's a we factor here, all right? And he's going to continue. How can, now here's the question. How can, okay, so yeah, there's a good, how can the we, how can the we, how does the we help the one? Verse 13, look at this. But instead of doing that, exhort one, a day, one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Guys, come on, come on, get that. Get that. The antidote against the hardening of the heart from the deceitfulness of sin is being daily encouraged by other believers. We gathered, we are the antidote. I mean, Jesus ultimately, 
but this encouraging. Guys, you know it. You get off by yourself. You get off by your, you all by yourself. You all by yourself. You can justify just about any sin you want to do. You come to this place, you hang out with these believers, you spend time with them, it gets very difficult to justify maybe that sin you're doing. It is, that is this, the gathering of the saints, the spending time together of the saints, the worshiping Jesus together in that we are edified, in that encouraging one another, that is the antidote against the hardening of the heart. You're, you don't have to believe me, you don't have to believe me. It's in the text. It's literally in the text. It's Jesus, it's here. My heart's getting hard. I'm getting church, man. Hang out with other Christians and exhort them, exhort them. You do that. It's gonna guard you, man. It's gonna guard you. Keep going, verse 14. There's a lot there, man. For we have come to share in Christ this in if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Come on, original. I have discovered that new believers typically have few doubts, right? I love new believers. Like, yeah, I remember, I was in this service, but there was a young believer, he came to faith. The Lord saved him. And I'm talking to him and I'm saying, God, you're going to go out there, man, and the world's going to come at you. It's going to get difficult. And he did this. I remember this. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, bring it on, world. When I said to him, I said, you don't want it brought on, dude. You don't. I'm trying to just take it from me. You don't want it brought on. Because it's going to come. I understand we have struggles. I understand it gets difficult. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me read these last five verses and set us up for the next chapter next week. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. For who, were, for who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that there would not, they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. Here we go. Here we go, guys. Here we go. So we see that they were unable to enter because of that word, unbelief. Unbelief. Hardening of the heart is based in unbelief. Don't believe God is who he says he is. I don't believe God can do what he says he can do. I don't think God cares for me. Unbelief, hard heart, sinful. You work it out sinfully. But the good news is the antidote in the text, church, against hardening, hardening your heart is what? Encouraging one another. Right here. Right here. Right here. So, let me just circle back. Just because you began well, church, it does not mean you will end well. It is possible to begin well and end poorly. The author of Hebrews says, first, Consider Jesus. He is better. He is better than anything that might be pulling on your heart. And if you do not listen to him, if you do not respond appropriately, you can become calloused. Your heart can become hard and you may face consequences. Therefore, therefore, take care of one another. Corporately, church, 
Brothers and sisters, encourage one another together so that the one will not drift. We are a family. We have been saved by grace. We have been brought together in this glorious church for the purpose of glorifying him and being built up together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this very difficult text. Thank you for all that you have taught us. I pray that if anyone here has received any revelation from you, any guidance from you, any, any, any insight, I pray that they would hear it. I pray, we ask, we pray against hardening of the hearts. We pray against walking in ways that are contrary to, opposite of, or in the different direction than you and your word and the person and works of Christ Jesus. We pray that you bless this church and this service in every way for your glory, for our joy, and for the good of the nations. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a six-week sermon series called Jesus in the Midst. John chapter 13 and 14 record Jesus's final words to his disciples in the upper room. They are about to enter the darkest moment in history and Jesus shares with them the essentials of what they need to walk through them. You know, the things they needed in the midst of their darkest hour are the same things we need in ours. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. Lastly, there are so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing at Silverdale. We really want you to feel welcome and apart. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on all our different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.